Hello, and welcome to the Rocket IT Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hyatt, and today we have the pleasure of speaking with one man that has made it his life's mission to encourage, equip, and empower leaders across the globe. Having now founded over 20 businesses ranging from e-commerce to entertainment, Jeremy Kubitschek is the embodiment of an entrepreneur. In addition to his current efforts at Giant Worldwide and his real estate development business, Jeremy is an acclaimed author with his most recent book, Making Amazon's Top 10 List of Best Business Books in 2019. But regardless of the endeavors Jeremy pursues, his passion to fight for the highest possible good for those he leads is something to behold. And we're happy to have him on today's segment. So. Without further ado, Jeremy, welcome to the show. I made it. I made it to the Matt Height, the Rocket IT podcast, man. You so did. Yes. I'll tell you what. Uh, it'll be interesting to look back, Jeremy, and see whether this episode uh, resulted in a dramatic increase or decrease <laughs> in the service. No, it's going to be it, great, man. In my hair loss? Is that what you meant? Like yeah, decrease wow. the hair? No, um, that's yeah, both of us. Okay. Oh, that's right. We both have that, that issue. So, Jeremy, I'm so glad you're here. That's going to be fun to have, uh, have a conversation with you. You and I have known each other for quite a while now and spent a lot of time together, but I'm excited to have you on the podcast and to introduce you to the folks that uh, we know that are listening to uh, to your show. So let's start, let's start from the beginning a little bit. I want to kind of go a little bit back in the way back machine. When you and I met, you were running an organization called Giant Impact, right? And what were you trying to do with Giant Impact? Tell us a little bit about that organization and what was the goal? Well, to go way back, I had started a company called Giant 2002, and we had a number of different entities. And so we bought John Maxwell's assets because we had focused on strategy, capital, and people to help grow businesses. And nice. the people part was what we decided to acquire with John Maxwell's assets. And that, that brought me to Atlanta. That brought me to Gwinnett County because that was where the their headquarters was. And we ah. basically assumed that and put it into, merged it into Giant at that point in time. So that was Giant Impact. And that was, for those who don't know, that was um, the Catalyst Conferences. We built that into a national brand. I created a brand called LeaderCast and started that um, out of Gwinnett County. And then we sold you know, John Maxwell's assets back to him. And so it was a, it was a fun season. And so that's how we met. And you all nice. obviously took care of us like champs, helping us as our kind of a outsourced. Oh, yeah. Right. In the IT, right. IT services space. Absolutely. We had the pleasure of working with you and your team. And that was really cool. So I know that you had transition with that organization and uh, moved away from that. In fact, you moved. One, one of the things I remember you and I sitting together in a restaurant, not far from uh, rocket IT headquarters kind of talking about your future plans. And, you know, the time that I had spent with you, I knew you as a, a, a big thinker, lots of ideas, lots of aspirations, and very much thinking a way to impact the globe. Like, you know, I'm, I'm really into impacting my community. And you've kind of expanded that uh, geographically quite a bit. You know, I want to go out and impact the world. And so, we sat down together and you told me about your plans, uh, that you were kind of moving on to the next thing, the next big thing in, in your life. And that started with, hey, you know what? I've decided that uh, we're going to sell the house, we're gonna pack up the family, and we're going to move to Europe. And 
I remember you telling me, Hey, you know, I think we're probably going to start another business. Uh, but I'm also going to use some time to travel around Europe a little bit, spend time with the family, get to know that part of the world. And every once in a while, I'll fly back to uh, the U.S. to manage your affairs here. How, how's that working out for you? It was great. It was, <laughs> it, it, a couple of things, it worked. So what you, yeah. you may or may not remember, but we had had nine giant entities. We were really influenced by Richard Branson and, you know, giant uh, Virgin, uh, virgin Planes, Virgin Music, mm-hmm. Virgin Money, Virgin blah, 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 blah. So we had the same ideas like, hey, you know, we can scale by creating these enterprises. So we started nine uh, giant entities. I think eventually we may have had up to 12, but somewhere like that. And what happened was uh, it was an experiment. And I would say, eh, it kind of worked. It kind of didn't. In fact, I probably wouldn't do it again uh, because really? I went nine different directions with nine cooks in the kitchen going with different <laughs> vision. And right. so uh, I also re- realized that we weren't Richard Branson at the time we were building that. So what I did is I had kept Giant Impact and I moved and started Giant Worldwide, another giant enterprise. Eventually, I ended up taking them all back and either selling them, turning them off or merging them all into one. So we have Giant we have one giant and it was just a great experiment, but the experiment with my family was dramatic as well. So we went over and uh, we lived in a, you know, you got to, to come there and experience it, but we went, we lived in this uh, manor house, 10 bedroom manor house. And we basically have this philosophy of who says we can't, mm-hmm. who says we can't, you know, work with pick a company who says we can't influence the British government, who says we can't work with, Google or big companies to the US Air Force. And we kind of went with that attitude and kind of started a process. And so it, it spread and, and we were building a business and I was trying to pour into my kids because I had just become uber intentional with my family more than ever uh, with my wife, with my kids. And so I started treating them differently, training them differently. I was involved in apprenticeship with them and multiplying and giving them and growing a business at the same time. So it was just, it was awesome. Uh, the only reason we come back was because our kids wanted to do high school. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So I want to make sure, didn't hear you say it, I want to make sure that it gets said. So that manor house was sort of in the rural part of the UK, not far from London, right? Yeah, just outside of yeah. London, right on the edge, yeah. right across the and street. And I did get to go there, came, came and visited yeah. you and uh, spent some time. And I know a lot of our friends did as well. And that was really cool because you were kind of the same time you were working. I know you're very intentional with your family at that time. And in fact, the entire time that I've known you, I think that that has been true, uh, but certainly saw that underscored while you're in the UK. But then at the same time, you're building this, this business. And this is the path that you've been down before. This is not, you know, you're not your first rodeo, right? You've, uh, you've started many businesses. So before we kind of move forward and, and hear about what's happening with Giant. Give us some background, because I think I think some of the things you've done are, un, you know, unusual uh, would be a, a good word to totally. say, or rare. Rare is maybe even a better word. You've done a lot. And so tell us about some of the businesses that you've been involved in over the years and some yeah. of the highlights. All right. So uh, inspiration. Grandmother took me to Europe when I was 15 years old. Oh, nice. Inspired me like, oh, my goodness. Uh, she said, uh, it was this, I'll never forget it was summer and I was a big skier and she said, you know, you can ski the Matterhorn in the summer. It's a glacier. You ought to go ski. I go, I don't have anything. I don't have my, <laughs> my gloves. I don't. 
She goes, no, you don't need anything. Here, take this. I borrowed people and I put socks right. in my hands for gloves. And nice. I wore socks and I skied the Matterhorn. And I'll never forget, like my grandmother is like, well, who says you can't? So you right. got to have everything you need. Well, take these right. socks, put them on your hands. So nice. that was like what started that. And then I got to college and got influenced by a professor who basically said, why don't you use business to change the world? And I'm like, do you mean you can? How do you do it? And he showed me mm -hmm. to Asia. And then we started a business in Russia together, my professor. And I got a few other classmates and we started a, an accounting training, marketing consulting. And we eventually started a uh, economic school in Russia. In Moscow, it's, it's called the Moscow Economic School. It's still, it's the largest private school in Moscow. Now, all right, now hang on a second. Just stop just a second there, Jeremy, because you know this is old hat to you. <laughs> but for those that don't remember our history, this <laughs> this was when nineteen ninety three, just nineteen ninety three, and so the world was pretty different then. A, a year, year after, after the Union fell apart. Wow, isn't that crazy? Yeah. So. so so they welcomed you with open arms and said, yeah, welcome, uh, comrade from America. Go ahead and start a business here. How, is that how it went? Well, so um, you find, so I, we have this philosophy, find people of peace. Who are mm -hmm. the people of peace? So we found this guy named Yuri Shamilov. Yuri was our person of peace. He had the credibility. He had run the um, education in Moscow for the Communist Party. And he basically had a major transformation in his life, wanted to do something different. So we were the partners. So he ushered us in. We were, we looked like we were 16. We looked like Opie's. Mm -hmm. And so no one thought we were doing anything and we really weren't, but we did. And we mm -hmm. built up a business and uh, eventually sold it and then kept uh, the school, continues to thrive. And, you know, it's one of those, like, you grew up on John, James Bond and John Wayne. And then right. during the Cold War, you know, you're like, hey, we're Americans. What can happen to us? You know, is that kind of feeling. Right. right. So uh, for, very naive, um, but unbelievably fun at the same time. Very cool. All right. What else? So we get back. I'm there and I'm, I'm getting engaged to my college best friend, um, Kelly. And so then... We were going to live in Russia and the Oklahoma City bombing happened. So my father-in-law was in the bombing. He survived, wow. lost uh, most of his staff. So that shifted us from there. We decided to move back to Oklahoma. My dad had this philosophy he shared with me, and it's really important for those listening. He said, in your 20s, it's not what you do. It's who you work for that's most important. Find mm -hmm. the person that you want to work for and basically align with them. And that's way more important than what you did. So I ended up working as a pure, I mean, just completely white guy, as you can see, and you know, working in the African-American hair care business. Uh, oh, perfect. Primarily. Natural, yeah. natural next step when coming home from Russia, yeah. Uh, <laughs> primarily because of the Humphreys family. Kent Humphreys, he was like a Matt Hyatt. <clears throat> he was just an unbelievable leader. People wanted mm -hmm. to be around him, had great, great intent, built a really nice business. And I became eventually his vice president of marketing. And, oh, wow. uh, and then they sold the business and I went to work for the, the private equity group that bought the business. Mm -hmm. And we bought 17 companies in three years. And I was in, wow. uh, basically on the acquisition team. 
And we were, I was on the East Coast one week, West Coast the next week, traveling back and forth from Oklahoma for a number of years. Did that, and that's where I lost my hair uh, for any of <laughs> that world. Seriously, I did. Yeah, and, that's a uh, pretty serious uh, run. Then we started some dot-coms and started the, the dot-com business. I started three dot-coms, sold one, lost one, turned one off. And oh, wow. Then the dot-com bust. And then, so you wanted to try all the different experiences. Good. And and then you have just started a number of businesses. You know, I think as I'm a connector in the five voices language, I'm a connector, creative pioneer. So my connector is always seeing opportunities and connecting people. And so I'm partnered with people. And I used to have a philosophy of a portfolio where I might be involved in 10 different things at one time. Right. And I have calmed down quite a bit since then. So in 2002, we eventually started Giant. And that was the beginning of the story I told you before. Uh, we started a growth consulting business, then bought John Maxwell. And then we have since been growing um, in lots of different places ever since. But yeah, that's, that's a little history there for you. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I'm actually glad you mentioned the uh, partnering aspect of the businesses you've been involved in. My observation of you is that... Uh, most of the business entities that I've known about and the ones that you and I have discussed, you you have partnered with other people. That seems to be not only a kind of an MO, but something that I think has worked very well for you. Uh, Rocket IT is a business that you know, I started on my own. I did have uh, partners in the very early season and uh, that didn't work out. And so uh, it's been basically me running the shop ever since. And there are times when that can be kind of a lonely experience, right? You know, there's if, if something's going wrong, there's nobody to really talk to about it. You, you know, you can't talk to your team and scare them to death. You can't go home and talk to your wife about it, scare her to death. Uh, you certainly can't talk to your kids. The dog doesn't care. So, right. you know, at the end of the day, it's, you, you look in the mirror and say, okay, you know, I'm just going to have to deal with this. And and so it can be can be kind of tough. Yeah. Is that the driving force behind the partnerships you created? Why? How did you end up in that position? Has it been intentional or uh, has it just come naturally to you of, hey, uh, here's an idea. Here's here's the person I want to do this idea with. Well, so I think it, it depends. I, I hear a lot of people and they'll say things like, oh, partnerships never work. And I don't mm. believe that. Um, right. And then I, I also say partnerships are not for everyone. Um, for me, there was a term in a, the financial world called accretive. One plus one equals three. It's the same with marriage. A good marriage should equal three, not just two. Hmm. It should be exponential. So right. marriage is a partnership. Uh, my wife is a business partner. She is a, a partner and, and you know my love of my life. So you think about that, comp that thinking, a good marriage should work. Well, the same is true with business. For me, I think I've just cre uh, created such big vision that I've needed to have partners because mm -hmm. I don't think I could do it. I mean, to do mm -hmm. what we're wanting to do, to raise up a different type of leader in the world, to actually create a scalable people development business globally, I needed help. And it's not just yeah. something that I can do alone. So you find skill sets. Uh, so Steve Cockrum has been a co-founder and, and a business partner with me. He's been so helpful in his yin and yang, if you will, just that difference that we bring. I probably bring a little bit more of the business background. He brings a lot more of the personality 
background. Um, and so mm-hmm. we kind of merge a lot of those things together and it seems to work out really well. But the term of creative means it needs to. If, it, if it's bringing value, great. If it's diluting, then you need to make some changes. And sure. dilution, you know, you can feel dilution. Uh, so the, the commitment to each other is how do you add value? How do you, mm. how do you add value to the organization to such a degree that it just makes sense? You know, there's a, you touched on the, the spouse thing. You, the, something you and Kelly have, and my wife Maureen and I, I think have, is uh, you start realizing probably fairly on, early on that, hey, uh, we're different, you know, we're different backgrounds, uh, different personality types, different preferences. We communicate differently. Uh, I might be more quick to point out something that, you know, I perceive as just uh, an interesting fact versus uh, my wife might not say something about a negative aspect of whatever, you know, the the way the house looks or what's going on with the money situation or how things are going with the kids or whatever, because she's concerned about how somebody else might feel if she were to say something. So in many ways, you know, I think the old adage of uh, opposites attract is true uh, that many times help folks get married uh, and maybe even in partnerships, they're attracted to somebody bring something different to the table. And that can easily spiral into a perception of conflict. Oh, I, this is the way I am and that's the way that she is and we're different and uh, we're always butting heads. But the way I like to think about that is that uh, that can be very complimentary, right? Maureen is strong where I'm weak and, uh, and in many cases I'm strong where she's not feeling as confident. And so when you take those differences and put them together, you do get something more than just the sum of two parts, right? Is One of the things about that though is uh, you know, for us and I think for a lot of people out there, the marriage is really meant to be a lifelong commitment. And so even when we're not feeling like we're perfectly in sync, there's no part of us that says, well, it's not, it's just not going to work. It's always, well, it, it has to work. It is going to work. It is, you know, it is, this, this is what we've chosen to do. And so we're going to work our way through that. My point in all that is that may not necessarily be true in a business partnership. I don't think anyone enters a business partnership saying, okay, this is for life. I don't think. And so there's always this mind towards, well, one of the options is, well, we can just part ways and and move on with our lives. So do you think about that kind of commitment? Does that enter into the equation when you're thinking about a new business partnership? You know, I, I, this is for a season or this is for a mission or a project or, or whatever. I don't, I'm not seeking a lot of partnerships. Meaning I have them, have one now. So I'm not, you know, we've been in it about six, almost seven years. So with my marriage, it'll be 25 years this, this summer. So it's, um, wow. Kelly's been putting uh, up with you for a long time. Yeah, I know. You know. So, um, what's interesting though, is you think about the concept that we use at giant We fight for the highest possible good of those you lead. So, or mm-hmm. those you, you love. So how do you mm-hmm. fight for the highest possible good of your spouse? So if, if you think about that for just for a second, it'll translate to partnership. Your obligation is to fight for their highest possible good. And if the other person is to fight for the highest possible good, that usually moves up. It it takes you both to another level. If one Mm -hmm. person is fighting for and another person is fighting against, that's where you have friction. That's where you have an earthquake. If it's uh, one person might be fighting for another person's fighting for themselves, so there's these dynamics at play. The same is true with partnerships. There's seasons where uh, vision doesn't get aligned. That was hard for me 
um, you know, where there's no vision, people perish. Where there's no vision, partners will find their own vision. And so for me, I, I had vision for the giant brand, but I didn't have um, geographical or consistency with my some of my past business partners. And they had a different vision than mine, which was was fine. It was it became natural, but I was the founder um, of that. So I'm like, okay, we'll take your vision, take your clients and go for it because this is the vision that we have, you know? So, you know, and, and they were all uh, amiable and very, very well done because that's the way we do it at giant. There's not a lot of drama in that regard. So I I think what it does to your point, it, it comes down to the vision. What is the, Mm -hmm. and has the vision changed? The vision can change. Meaning, um, you know what, Matt, I'm about to be an empty nester. Okay. Two months. Um, well, let's just say five months with college and all that, but let's just say in the next two months, my daughter graduates. So if that's the case, I'm an end of an era and then there's a transition season and then it's a new season. I think it's okay for partners to think about eras and go, Hey, is there a natural end of an era? And then you almost have mm-hmm. to review and go, Hey, where are we in it for the next round? You know, right. I, I know in my case with Steve Cockrum, we've changed our business model to a SaaS model. So Steve SaaS software as a service. That's right. Yeah. yeah subscription model. So we moved now. And so our business is heavy tech, heavy content building technology platform business. So Steve, who's been on our, our team, it moved out of the day-to-day operations of the organization. But he's still my partner. He's my part partner in content creation. He's my partner in the. He's a non-executive director. Still have ownership. Mm-hmm. He's playing a different role and helping build our value in our business in a different way. But the needs that we had for our team were very, very tech-driven. So right. I mean, the conversations we're having. I mean, they're above my head in a lot of uh, places. So what's happening is then Steve recognized it. It was really a great... So when you have a secure, confident, humble, mature partner, and they realize, you know, I probably don't need to be on the, the, the team, like on the day-to-day business team. I probably need to be in this team out here in, in, in a different, playing a different role. And he brought that to the table and it was very mature. It was great. Mm-hmm. Well, the dynamics were amazing because we basically spent a few days planning it out, mapping it out, and now we've been living that out. And you know that's just because of who he is. He's very right. responsive. So if you don't have that kind of personality on the other side, it can be very difficult. If you have it, and there's probably going to be a point in time where I go, you know what? There's probably someone better to run this business than me. If we get to right. the levels that we're we're talking about. So yeah, sure. No, just saying natural era seasons. I wrote an article years ago, and my team's heard me talk about this a few times, about the 100-year business plan. What does it look like if an entrepreneur sits down or a leadership team sits down and and writes a plan to see a business through to its 100th anniversary? And one thing we know, uh, if we sit down and we write that business plan, you're going to look around the room pretty quick and realize that it's unlikely that anybody writing that plan will be around to see it come to fruition. And so if we're going to build a business that has the potential to see its 100th anniversary, 
one thing that we know for sure is that there, by definition, almost must be a transition from the current owners or leadership team right. to a different owner and leadership team. And so what are the building blocks and the uh, what's the foundation that we need to put in place today to uh, not only deal with that, that eventual inevitable transition, but to embrace it as, hey, this is a natural part. Uh, I was reading an article at Berkshire Hathaway just last week, published its annual letter from the CEO and chairman. Uh, and so I was reading about that. And what, what he said in that letter was that Berkshire Hathaway is 100% ready for his uh, departure, you know, whether that's retirement or, or something different. Yes. And so I love that idea of uh, dealing in eras and thinking about how do we, you know, how do we treat ourselves as really as stewards of the organizations that we lead and planning for transitioning that to someone else at some time down the road. You know, this is, you know, we, we create content, we write content, mainly the content that we create is based on real world situations. And I've been talking about this for about two months. And the way it usually works is if I'm talking about something six months, I know it's a relevant topic and we start building things like performance. We're giantizing performance reviews right now because of that is such a major part of businesses. Uh, we're working on some succession pieces, expectations. But one of them is on transitions. And I, I really mm. realized I'm really good at that. Like I'm not good at mm financials, like don't put me in as the CFO. I mean, I need people to do that. I'm just not very good at that, but I'm really good at transition. And when I mean transition, I don't mean just the simple act of, okay, Matt, you're now the new CEO. I mean mean the season of transition that people are in. So for instance, Mm -hmm. I do this with my kids. I meet with them uh, between 16 and 18. I have an apprenticeship process with my kids, Uh, EQ, IQ, personality, what the 10 meals you need to learn before you leave this house, all the things I can think of to help with the transition. I get ahead of it. I've done it with, this is my third child I've done this with, and I do it based on their personality. It's, it works brilliantly. It's really great. And it's really fun. Hmm. But when I sit down with them, I review once a quarter, I review the, se- the transition season they're in. So I met with my daughter, Kate. We couldn't meet until this weekend. I met with her this weekend on let's look ahead at your transitions, graduating high school, two months of money-making basically before college. What are you going to do? Nannying and babysitting and blah, blah, blah. And then you've got your transition into college. So let's work on those ahead of time. So I'm very proactive. Some people might be too proactive for them because they're not thinking that way. But I, I go, I'm also been working for a couple of years with my wife's transition into empty nest because I know empty nest females are typically more difficult, especially if they've been with their kids, you know, men to anyone who's staying home with them more or with them is more of the caregiver. Well, so she, we've been working on that transition by doing our real estate projects. And that would be yeah. that was the strategy for Kelly. Uh, a big part of it was that. So my point is, if you look ahead, most CEOs I know they work so hard on making the donuts every day that they're not thinking, they know what to do to make the donuts, but they haven't thought about, hey, is this machine about to go out? Do we need to replace You can say there's a hole in their plan. Ooh, that was really good. <laughs> really quick. But my point is, is that to go, hey, what does thinking ahead look like? What season? 
are we currently in? Right. What season are we moving to? Or what season is my wife or child or teammate? What transition season are they moving into? And then how do I help them acclimate, grow into? How do I help them transition? And I think there's nice. a lot there. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. So t- tell me, Jeremy, tell me a little bit about Giant today. What, what is your mission? What are you trying to accomplish? How's that going? You, you said you were six or seven years into it. And one thing that strikes me is, you know, I, I was very fortunate in that I got to be very close to you when in those early days. And so I got to see sort of the initial idea and uh, how it started. And I see what's happening today. And it's a little different. I think the goal is the same, but your tactic or your approach, I think, has changed quite a bit. So I'd like to hear about that a little bit. By the way, uh, that's that's not a dig at all. Uh, oh, I didn't dig. You know, my, my business is very different today than it was oh. 10 years ago also. But I just love to hear about kind of what, are you, what are you trying to accomplish and, and what's, what's new okay. in the way that you're approaching it? I'm going to reverse it and ask you to tell and explain. Matt, what is giant? Give me the one sentence. And then yeah, I'll, so I'll tell my yeah, I think you'll probably correct me because I, I here's the deal. You know, when I'm telling people about Giant, I'm usually telling them, hey, this is a leadership development company with people that work in an apprenticeship model with other leaders and rising leaders to help them take that information back to their businesses and organizations and to be able to utilize it within their team and carry it on their own. That's that's usually how I explain it. So that's very good. No, I appreciate it. I, I think. What, oh, okay. I was ready for you to say that was completely wrong. No. What, what what we've done is we've figured out we we use the term people development. Leaders are a part of people development, but here's what we figured out is that most organizations do not they don't know how to scale their people. They because mm. they have to do the donuts every day because they're so fixated on just the everyday problems and issues, they're accidental with people development. So if you think about all of the people inside the organization, what would happen if we got them from a 68% to an 82? What would that lift do to an organization? And so what we figured out is that most leader development, most leader development doesn't transfer very well. It's not scalable. It doesn't necessarily work. And most of it's been built on 20th century approaches. Butts and seats, come listen to a seminar, sell them a book. And the reality is in the 21st century, these little devices called smartphones have taken over our world and content from Netflix and Apple and Disney and whomever, all of the content and streaming, they basically have changed the way that we learn. So the 21st century approach is really, really simple. So what's it's simple. It's scalable and it needs to be sustainable. So we say it needs to be for an educated 13 year old. So what we've done is we figured out how to help the cynical know-it-alls who don't read anymore, which is all of us. And we've created visual tools to create a common language that's objective language. And in, in essence, it's like a mirror. It's like, hey, Matt, this is what it looks like to be on the other side of me. Let me show you where I'm at. Where do you think it? What do you think it's like to be on the other side of you? By you looking at a mirror, you can change. So in essence, Giant has figured out how to create a self-awareness system for people to change themselves, and then they become better performers inside organizations. So the long and short, 
we do scalable people development to increase human potential and increase performance of workers, employees, people, leaders, all of it. But the way we did it is we just mimicked Netflix, Peloton, and creating edutainment. And we started creating these categories. We call them everyone for $4.99 a month. People can take scalable people development and start using it. For $49 a month, a Sherpa, which we call a leader, anyone who leads people is a Sherpa on Mount Everest, a, a leader has to climb and help climbers. They have to perform and help performers. So that is a leader, we call, we call them the Sherpas. Uh, so we have these different levels and layers. And so we basically created it for a subscription so we can play and partner with consultants, trainers. We can play and partner with companies directly like Rocket IT, like the Gwinnett Chamber. Anyone can use and partner with us and we become like a wholesaler or a reseller to people who want to do scalable people development. So as far as we know, we've been told this by so many companies we work with, we're the very first people development SaaS business because they haven't hmm. figured out how to scale it. And we think we have, we know we, we know our content works. We just found a platform to partner and match with our content. And that's what we, we built ourselves. So that's what we're doing. We're basically trying to change the style and the standard of leadership around the world. Oh, is that all? Okay. <laughs> that's a, right. That's a, that's a lofty goal. So in the time that I've known you, you've produced these amazing events through uh, catalyst and LeaderCast, where literally thousands of people would congregate on a particular location and see speakers live, talk about various aspects of human relationships and, and, uh, drive and leadership and all kinds of cool stuff. You've written books and uh, sold a bunch of books. And so that's something that I think you're pretty good at. I've seen you lead smaller groups through longer programs. And so you've had a program in the past called Executive Core and then X-Core, about okay. a year-long program, bring, bringing people together and going through an apprenticeship journey. And now, uh, and I remember actually when you started using videos so that people could take that certain lessons, uh, uh, more than just sound bites, but really a certain lesson back and be able to listen to it over and over again, because the you know, recall works better if we've heard something multiple times. And uh, so using the video to supplement that, I think was uh, a great idea. And you're right. I know, you know, I remember growing up, if something was wrong with my car, I'd drive down to the auto repair shop and I'd spend the big bucks on the thick Chilton book. You remember those? It had like all the schematics and everything you want to know about a particular model of car. And that's, that's how you learn. Uh, these days I'm jumping on YouTube. You know, that's probably the first place I'm going to go Reddit or YouTube or something like that. And I'm trying to learn that way. And so it sounds like all, all of the, you know, the events and the, uh, you called them Sherpas, but the idea of working with a consultant or a leader to kind of walk us through a program, I still do the uh, the programs for small groups of peers working together, right? Yeah, yeah. But all of that is centered around this platform that you've built to share the video content. So is the idea that somebody like Rocket IT could just skip to the end and, okay, I'm going to go sign up for this video? Yeah. Uh, either way, it depends on the company. And that's the beautiful part. Okay. It's the flexibility of either or. Some people want high touch. Some people want high tech. Some people want high tech and high touch. 
It's mm-hmm. and it's what makes the most sense for the organization, and that's what we've been able to build. What we realize is that progress is a process. So where in the past, come watch my big event. We've aggregated all the right. big speakers. After a Catalyst or LeaderCast, about one week out, we were a memory. Then they're on to the next mm-hmm. thing. It wasn't good enough. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't good enough for me. I, I wanted to see transformation. And I realized right. that transformed habits, behavior, that's transformation over time. And it doesn't happen when someone points a finger and says, Matt, you need to change. It happens when Matt looks in a mirror and goes, oh my gosh, I need to change. So how do I get you to look in a mirror? So what we've done is we've created these tools and we go, hey, look, 10 minutes a week. What if you jump on Sherpa training 10 minutes a week? Here's the video we want you to watch. Here's the tool we want you to think about. Uh, Support challenge matrix to myself. Am I dominating myself? Am I liberating myself? Am I abdicating right now? We want you to analyze that. And then we want you to get healthy. We call it 100X. We want you to get 100% healthy. And then we want you to learn how to multiply. We've just found that most people are 75 plus. Generally healthy and they're positively reactive. Hey, Matt, come. if my door is always open, if you ever need me, come see me. But right. a positively reactive leader is completely different than a positively proactive leader. And hmm. we just got so intentional with our families, with ourselves. Now we've packaged this and we've figured it out. We can scale, a co- we can scale people develop inside a company for $250 a month or for hmm. $50 a month. It's li- just depending on what you want. Or if you want help, it can be, you know, bring in a consultant or a guide. So the beauty of it is that we've given a system now that enables you, depending on where you're at, to use what you need, not to try to force you onto something that you don't really need. And sometimes people have overpower. They have too much people. And sometimes they they don't have enough. And that's the adaptability that you can use with technology. So we just take in our content and we've made it. It already worked. You've experienced it. We work with the U.S. Air Force, Google, Lidos, Biogen, Pfizer, big companies um, and small companies. It works anywhere. It works wherever there's people. And Hmm. what we figured out though is now leveraging technology in the same way that all of us are pretty comfortable with Netflix. We're pretty comfortable with Hulu or whatever aggregate, whatever platform you use. So in the same way, people are becoming comfortable with giant inside organizations. Nice. So you mentioned these visual tools a couple of times and you mentioned one of my favorites. We've called the support challenge matrix. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by a, a visual tool for, for those that have not worked with Giant before and don't know uh, maybe what you're talking about? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we basically created these big concepts and put them into a visual form so that people can write them on a cocktail napkin. We have about 50 of these tools. When you learn a tool and can teach it to someone else, that's when you learn. And that's where most leader development breaks down because it's all about you learning, but you don't know how to transfer. So we've simply created a way for people to transfer. Nice. So this platform that you're talking about, Giant TV, is that what we're calling it? Giant is the platform. It's giant.tv. And if you want want to go try it out, it's giant.tv slash JK. And that's a a 30-day trial. Just okay. TV slash JK, 
and or do a demo and uh, have one of our teams do a demo and show you how it works for your team. Awesome. Hey, I know we need to wrap up pretty quick, so I want to get to our lightning round. I've got just uh, three or four questions for you. Super quick. Can you tell me about one person in your life that's had a profound impact on your journey? A guy named John Cregan. He was my professor. He just... Oh, he was the guy you went to start the business with yep. in Russia. He gave me the vision of who says you can't. Awesome. What's the single most important lesson you've learned in your professional career? One thing. It's uh, completely okay to screw up. And nice. if you screw up, it's okay. Uh, you learn from it. And so I'm very comfortable with being a screw up. <laughs> <laughs> we do make uh, mistakes. It's unavoidable, right? That's right. Learning from them is a, the key part of that. <laughs> Don't make the same mistake over again. Any uh, books or favorite podcasts you're listening to these days? You know, I read biographies. I love, I'm on an really? Eisenhower biography right now, and I'm work, I'm talking about a new book in my head on infrastructure that's pretty cool. So I'm kind of consumed with Dwight Eisenhower. Nice. And then I do want to make sure we touch on podcasts because you've done a lot of podcasting. Tell us about your favorite podcast. Well, we do. It would be the uh, Rocket IT podcast. Is that what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. What's, what's another one? What's your second yeah. favorite? Well, the, you know, it's so funny. I listen to history podcasts. So oh, I listen interesting. to a lot of different variations. Um, and then we we have our own podcast. So Steve and I do the Liberator podcasts. So that's that's what we do, you know. So it's like, uh, well, not what we do, but it's one of the things we do. But I, I just, I enjoy documentaries probably even more than podcasts, honestly, and mostly. Oh, interesting. Very cool. All right. So uh, I want to make sure that folks know how to reach Giant, how to reach you. Uh, you gave us one URL to visit, giant.tv slash JK, correct? That's right. Okay. Any any other way that we should know uh, to get in touch with Giant? That, I think that's the best way. You know, I, if anyone awesome. is interested, I can check out jeremykubachuk.com for speaking and those things, but uh, or giantspeakers.com. But most of it is giant.tv. Cool. Okay. On that note, I believe it's time to wrap things up. Jeremy, from myself and our audience, thank you for joining us today. To our listeners, thank you for tuning into the Rocket IT Business Podcast. Should you have any suggestions on future topics you'd like to hear about? please email us at podcasts at rocketit.com. Finally, a quick plug for Rocket IT. We work with businesses, nonprofits, and municipalities in the area of IT support, information security, and strategic planning. To learn more about Rocket IT and its services, simply visit rocketit.com. Thank you.